3: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if
1: you dare. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus
2: Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief.
1: From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now, or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio.
0: Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt.
1: My name is Noah. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It's the top of the week. There's a lot of news. A lot of it's strange. Uh, we're recording this uh, about a uh, a few days before... This comes out to you, fellow conspiracy realist, And I hope that I am not the only one among us who spent a harrowing afternoon waiting for Vladimir Putin to show up on time to his own speech, which he didn't. But the speech was uh, the speech was dangerous. You have heard a lot about it at this point. Things are escalating. But that. Although it is strange news, it's not exactly what we mean when we say strange news. We're talking about things that should be explored in further depth. We're often talking about things that either don't make it above the fold, to quote the old newspaper term, or things that are just sort of tossed around. And everybody, everybody agrees with a thing. Or uh, increasingly these days, you just don't have enough time to pay attention to a lot of it. Let us not forget that mid-pandemic, the U.S. government came out and said UFOs are real, and literally everyone said, "Eh, I mean, sure. I should I get vaccinated?" Is my main concern uh, today. We're going to talk about. We're gonna talk about um the inequality burgeoning in the world of NFTs and uh the so-called metaverse, I would posit. Uh we're going to talk about <laughs> we're gonna talk about the Pentagon uh doing something really funny with PsyOps, uh that have done uh, you know, I don't like PsyOps, but they've done a lot for our show in terms of <laughs> in terms of things to explore. Uh but maybe, maybe Matt, we start with uh we start with a story that didn't get a ton of national coverage, much less international coverage. It's a true crime story and hopefully it's a story with a little bit of closure for the survivors. What do you think?
0: Uh yeah, uh, survivors say it's it's more like the defrauded, I think, really. <laughs> but it is a it is one man pulling a psychological operation on a whole bunch of people around 350 clients uh, of his, of the company that he ran and owned. So let's talk about this. There's a man that we're going to name because he just got indicted, a man named Sean, S-H-A-W-N, Parcels, P-A-R-C-E-L-L-S, if you want to look it up. Uh, he He's a 42-year-old man from Topeka, Kansas, and he... Uh, he did some messed up things. He had a company or has a company, I suppose I should say. Maybe had is better called National Autopsy Services, LLC. National Autopsy Services. It's kind of a weird name, don't you think, guys? It sounds like a generic autopsy like shop. <laughs> Definitely yeah. sounds
1: more governmental than it actually is. Mm-hmm. that's you know that's that's one of the clever things it's just like how you can put all natural on cereal boxes and make it sound very very different from the reality of the ingredients that you see this in privatized insurance companies put national in front of something you'll be associated with a nation or a federal government when that is not the case
2: it's also like autopsies are not really something i think of as a thing that we have to like be individually worried about, like, oh yeah, I mean, like you know, funeral arrangements and cremation and all that. Yes, that is something we have to take care of for our loved ones. But an autopsy usually comes with the death.
0: Yeah, depending on what the circumstances are, right? And if there's ever anything anything puzzling about the death at all, then an autopsy will generally be ordered by the law enforcement that's involved uh, taking care of that case, right? Uh, it's not something you imagine you'd write on your calendar like, oh, yeah, I need, I need to get a couple autopsies done this month. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and pencil that in. You don't um, know my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. No, you're right. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it, I guess for many of us listening, it seems like an odd thing, right? Mm-hmm. That even that there would be 350 clients of this company called National Autopsy LLC, I'll give you the Better Business Bureau spiel on it. It's, it's pretty short. Um, there's a little alert if you find them. It says, current alerts for this business. BBB investigation results. A Better Business Bureau investigation found that the website for national autopsy services at www.nationalautopsyservices.com identifies a corporate office location in Topeka, Kansas, as well as one in another location. And then it says there are a pattern of complaints, you guys. BBB records indicate a pattern of unanswered complaints wherein customers allege providing payment for autopsies and not receiving a copy of the final report. Uh. (laughs) Uh, I'll just I'm going to finish this out, guys. I'm sorry. I know it's a little long. Um, In addition, consumers allege making numerous attempts to contact the company National Autopsy Services via phone and emails and receive no response. BBB has received no response from the business regarding the alleged complaints. So, not great if you are, uh, you know, an amateur autopsy seeker or even a a law enforcement agency that's looking to, I don't know, get a third party for some of your autopsies done. Uh, That wouldn't be great if you saw that on the BBB website, which many of us use to vet companies.
1: Yeah, also shout out, just to interject here, uh, as people who are generally skeptical of Trade organizations uh, and nonprofits also have their share of sketch. I do have to point out that here in the U.S., the Better Business Bureau does good work, and Mm -hmm. actually contacting the Better Business Bureau—shout out to Clark Howard uh, there—can get you results when customer service uh, does not. Uh, This uh, there's something interesting, Matt. This says uh, not BBB accredited. So for anybody looking at the website in the top left, when you see that, when you see that thumbnail, that means that the Better Business Bureau is telling you, we don't trust them. Implication being, you shouldn't either. Go
0: somewhere else for your autopsies. <laughs> Try other autopsies. <laughs> uh, with the, uh, it's just the Kansas Autopsies Incorporated. Or whatever I don't know, uh, just making up names here. Okay, so let's talk about what Sean did with this company and the reason why it has that BBB rating, or and or the complaints, as it stated. So this guy, Sean, has been in the autopsy game for a while, a while, guys. Um, back in 2018, CBS did a little bit of an investigation on this fellow's a CBS4 investigation. Uh where they were looking at the company and Sean in particular, because there were complaints and individuals who would say, Hey, I paid this outfit for an autopsy and I've been trying to get in touch with them to get a final report. I can't get in touch with them. Then I think it's CBS. I'm pretty sure this is correct. CBS actually got in touch with the guy and he's saying, Oh, well I don't have the correct, you know, contact information for this particular client. I've been trying to send this report. I've had it for months. And then uh, they find out <laughs> through the person they're interviewing, the client, that they signed a contract which included all of their contact information, the client's contact information. Uh, so it was, just, it was just a lie that was told. And this guy, Sean Parcels, was arrested back in 2019 and charged with theft and criminal desecration Guys, do you think that just means he was performing autopsies when he wasn't supposed to be? Well, yeah. also begs the question, is there a lesser form of desecration that is not
2: criminal? Is there a misdemeanor desecration? Desecration just in and of itself just sounds pretty, like pretty bad news. It sounds like it, it, the there is intent in the act of desecrating something.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that that is the case. I'm gonna, just going to give you one example. You can go to cbsnews.com and you can find... Uh, an article from 2018 titled Littleton Woman Still Seeking Answers in Husband's Death. And you can read about a man a man named David Evans and uh, a woman named Patty Evans. David passed away and it was, you know, just suddenly in the home. So Patty wanted answers and she she just stumbled upon national autopsy services online and thought, well, hey, maybe I can get this independent autopsy done and I can just find out how he died, why he died. Um, So she, she ended up contacting them and she ended up paying $3,550 to national autopsy services to get this done. It may, it must've meant a lot to her, right? You can imagine Mm -hmm. to, to pay that much money for something. And she signed a contract back in December, 2017, sent it off and, you know, paid for it all in that time, right around Christmas, 2017. And and nothing was happening she wasn't getting any results wasn't getting a final report she was attempting to contact the company and she couldn't get through this is the person I was uh, mentioning at the top
1: she got ghosted
0: and also mm-hmm. uh, just just
1: for a watermark here folks uh, a private autopsy if I recall correctly will typically run between three to five grand so this is not especially egregious but abandoning a person, who has paid you for the autopsy, uh, does seem egregious. Criminal desecration, if we're being completely objective about it, uh, means treatment of the body in an illegal manner, right? A way Mm -hmm. that's outside of the law. Just like the guy here in Georgia who was caught charging people for cremation when he was, in fact, just... Throwing human remains in into the nearby woods. You remember that just, story?
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think it's especially egregious when any kind of deception is is is, is egregious is obviously horrible. But when you are capitalizing on someone's grief and need for answers or some sort of spiritual connection and or closure, so I think those two things. I think it's a great uh, uh, analog, Ben. The the, the fake. You know, um, cremations or whatever, um, because they both are capitalizing on someone's very deep and
0: personal, you know, pain. Absolutely. That's well said, Noel. I, guys, I just, I want to jump to now, 2022, why we're even talking about this right now, because that was back in 2018, 2017. This past Monday, September 19th, he was sentenced to six years in prison for wire fraud, not for, uh, bad autopsying or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> conducting autopsies while not a doctor.
1: <laughs> right, right. It's not the fact that you're a terrible person. You lied about being a doctor and you were uh, predatory toward people, the most vulnerable moment of, of their lives. It's that you mess with the money.
0: Oh, yeah. Dude, we didn't even get to that yet, Ben. Let's let's talk about it. This guy was not a pathologist. He was not somebody who should be or had any business conducting autopsies. He was a... a, Just uh, a
2: pathological liar, not a pathologist.
0: (laughs) In that way, he was a pathologist. Uh, he was an assistant, you know, a pathology assistant. He had no formal education. He didn't go to school for this thing. He didn't have a degree. Uh, he was an assistant that was charging three to five thousand dollars for autopsies, and he made guess how much money he made doing this, guys, over the course of I'm several sure quite years. A lot. Uh- how, how much money uh it was one i've seen it in a couple of places 1.1 $1. $1 million dollars or okay. 1.166 million dollars which it's you know that's a whole extra year's salary there that yeah. .66
1: it depends on how good that's a lucky uh year for that to be a whole uh, <laughs> one year salary but also it depends yeah. really on uh how adept you would have been at hiding is ill-gotten gains and,
2: and wire fraud would be as simple as just um, illegally
0: uh, transferring ill-gotten gains, right? I, I don't know. In this case, it's because he charged a client five grand to get yeah. an autopsy done, and then no report. Wire fraud is
1: essentially a reference to the format of the fraud, right? You can mm-hmm. you can fraud you can pull you can pull some cons and frauds in person all the live long day, that's not wire fraud until it's over um, electronic communication or via telephone. So it doesn't it's, even it's, necessarily
2: mean transferring funds. It can just be using um, telecommunications or the internet. I, I'm sorry, I, I, that's, that's good to clarify. I, I always thought it was having to do with money or bank transfers. When I think of a wire, I think of like a wire transfer for uh, for money.
1: Yeah, you know, and I I think the same. Uh, it's it's pretty much, it's... um. It's structured or framed as a way to define where the crime happens. And they're saying it doesn't happen in a physical location. Hmm. It's, yeah, so.
2: It's out there
0: somewhere inside the so
2: scamming shit. people, you know, with like fake, you know, calls yeah, yeah. and such, that would be considered wire fraud.
0: Yeah,
1: it's way less cool than, you know, the literal definition, which is not a real thing. Which should be, you know, fraud using the uh, fraud via the use of wires, like physical wires. You know, like in martial arts movies, where where they're you know jumping uh, from the trees and doing really crazy crouching tiger, hidden dragon stuff. You know, they're not really jumping. That could be considered wire fraud, not in court <laughs> though.
0: That's really funny, but. <laughs>
1: Thank you. The this key is to our joke landing is when someone looks at you and says, that's really funny. No,
0: well, I, I, I had to paint the picture first. Like, in my mind, I had to see the actors fraudulently jumping really far because they had wires attached. I, I bet Michelle
1: Yeoh could do it. I bet she can do it in real life.
0: <laughs> I think so. Guys, I want to just end right here. So I want to read this from this CBS article from September 20th, 2022 Kansas man sentenced nearly six years in prison for illegal autopsy scheme. The scheme is the important part here. Uh, I'm just going to read this verbatim. It was that $5,000 that a client was persuaded to pay for an autopsy. Um, The client did receive an emailed autopsy report and it appeared to be authored by Sean parcels. The, this gentleman who's been arrested and sentenced to six years However, no pathologist, actual pathologist, was involved in the examination or report, comma, which is illegal. Uh, so if there's no actual pathologist, the autopsy report, not legal, not real, not binding, not a thing. And it says here in this article that back in 2019, uh, Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt also charged uh, parcels for conducting illegal autopsies so him actually conducting autopsies but again not being allowed to do so uh he dude he had another conviction in november jeez this guy the, this guy's just been getting into it uh and he apparently was running three companies
1: he's got a thing you know what i mean at some oh, point yeah. the money is maybe not the sole primary passion project
0: yeah Yeah, Uh, I'm going to read you the last sentence of this because I think it'll just stay in our dreams uh, tonight as we all go to sleep, as you are now probably falling asleep as this episode has been on for over 15 minutes. (laughs) I'm just joking. Okay, Uh, here's the last sentence from the CBS article. Prosecutors discovered that parcels collected more than 1,600 biological samples, mostly human tissue as part of the scheme. The Kansas Department of Health and Environment took custody of the samples, and victims have until October 6th to claim them.
1: That is such a short window of time.
0: Yeah. Wow. So if you had an autopsy done by the National Autopsy Schemers, uh, get out there and... Get those samples. That's really awful and gross. And I'm sorry. And I hope you don't have to deal with that. Anyway, just be careful. As in any business, you're going to be, you know, associating with or paying money to. Just do a little research before you enter into a contract with them. Seriously, because that's it's just wrong. What this guy did is just wrong. And uh, just be careful who you pay money to and who you sign a contract with. All right, guys. And with that. Uh, we're going to hear from a sponsor, hopefully not an autopsy service, and we'll be right back with more strange news. Snagajob is where America goes
1: to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
0: With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs, on-demand, Tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate,
2: grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop.
1: to talk to an expert.
2: Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio
3: 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
2: is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny
3: USA.
0: He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Terminix it. Visit
1: Terminix.com to book your appointment online today.
0: That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we're back uh,
2: with more strange news. This one's super strange. It's like dystopian uh, metaverse kind of computer stuff. Remember those movies from the 90s that tried to depict the internet and did a really bad job? Like Hackers or The Lawnmower Man? Where they don't you know it was kind of just a bunch of like, you know, polygons and and kind of like cubes and, you know, you're flying through, quote unquote, cyberspace kind of looked a lot like Minecraft <laughs> in a weird way. Now that I think about it. And it's funny because, you know, games like Minecraft and Roblox, they really have become the most trafficked, you know, parts of the quote unquote metaverse are really low fi and that's because obviously you can create a larger world in uh, a more um, customizable world if you kind of dumb down the graphics a little bit, and that sort of becomes part of the fun. There's a retro quality to it, and also the possibilities are kind of limitless in terms of what you can create using squares, using cubes, using these, these polygons. Um, so, you know, it's kind of crazy how the Internet of today or this metaverse looks a hell of a lot like the Lawnmower Man. That sort of flowers for Algernon esque story about the the yard, the yard man who, you know, Pierce Brosnan hooks up to a VR machine and makes him into an evil genius uh, when he wasn't so bright to start with, um, which is kind of crazy because the real story that was based on, by the way, and I know, Ben, you know this, uh, was a short story by Stephen King where it's literally just a dude that, that drops trow, cl- gets on all fours and starts eating grass. And that's the story. And then he eventually, I think he eats a mole. And then I think he eats the guy who's just like absurd. Spoiler for a very, very strange, <laughs> coked up Stephen King story. Um, but yeah, movies, nothing like that. And then I think there was a really bad sequel too. Also Virtuosity. That was another one of those kind of golden era uh, internet depiction movies. I digress. I just think it's really interesting. It didn't really even occur to me until now that the Roblox at Minecraft really do kind of bear a striking resemblance to those uh, depictions of, of the past. So Maybe we should give them a little more credit where credit is due. Uh, so this is a, a story about the metaverse is a story about Minecraft in particular and it is a story about how uh, NFTs have, have somehow managed to, to get even grosser and stupider uh, or at least the, the concept of them. You know, Again, we know that NFTs aren't just dumb JPEGs of monkeys that you spend thousands of dollars on and then have stolen from you uh, and then and you know, proceed to beg to, for the the thief to give them back on Twitter, only to be mocked openly by by the internet at large. Um, there are things you can do with them that are interesting. You know, you can make sample packs of music, and you know, have them. Tied to a smart contract that allows someone to use them uh, in whatever medium they want, whether it be commercial or television or some other kind of project, remixing them, all of that. There are interesting uses for NFTs that don't cost gazillions of dollars and just act as some sort of weird badge of, you know, Internet opulence. This story starts off uh, with some reporting From PC Gamer, actually. I was going to go ahead and read you the headline. NFT expert imagines a hopeful future where poor people serve as real-life NPCs in games. Um, Yeah, anyone who's not a gamer out there... Um, NPCs, non-player characters, you know, the whole uh, got an arrow in the knee guy you know, from, from Skyrim or just any character that you interact with uh, there are more directly you know, interactive uh, NPCs and there are ones that are just kind of in the background doing stuff um, so the idea here started with an NFT-based Minecraft game called Critters, where essentially it's sort of like gold mining, you know, in, 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 um, in MMORPGs where you literally can get people to do the boring parts for you so you can amass all of this, like, virtual wealth. Only since it's NFTs, it's based in real wealth. And this guy who goes by the name Big Chief, uh, he has this team, uh, and apparently it's mainly made up of children. In the Philippines, you go around in Minecraft and collect materials so that he can build a casino, uh, which once they've collected enough materials, he then pays, quote, professional Minecraft builders to
0: create. Um, Big Chief Wait. does not. Yeah. Yeah, please. Wait, I, let's. Yeah. Hold on. I just don't understand. Minecraft has a setting called creative. Where when when you're in that setting, you can generate as many blocks as you want of whatever type of block or object. That's right. Why why would you have to do it in survival mode? Sorry guys, I love Minecraft. I was playing. No, that's great. Last night. And these are
2: good questions. I don't. It's this is a an in-game sub-game that has since essentially been outlawed by okay. Minecraft. So I'm just gonna read you the quote. Uh, let's see. Um, The bulk of the story by the nonprofit journalism organization is about a Minecraft-based NFT game called Critters, which enjoyed enough success in its early days that some players began hiring others to help build their in-game ownings in exchange for a cut of the profits. One such high roller, who goes by the name Big Chief, had his team, made up mainly of kids in the Philippines, collect building materials for a casino, which he then paid professional Minecraft builders $10,000 to actually create. So it's a good question because I know, I know Minecraft doesn't work the same way Roblox does exactly where you have like these kind of micro games or these little like sub games, sort of the whole deal with Roblox. So I'm a little confused about that too. Um, any listeners out there that can, that can elaborate on how this is done. Let us know, but we're, we're going to get to how essentially Mojang, you know, said, no, we're not, we're not, we're not going to support this. Um, but here's the guy's quote, just to give you a sense of the, the machinery that he's working with in terms of like his, uh his empathy cogs. Um, he, he says this. I have a lot of kids that play for me and they play because they want to make extra money in a country that's really just locking them down. <laughs> um, uh, he says he, he wouldn't go on to say exactly how much he was paying them, um, but he said that I couldn't tell you what the hourly rate comes to, but I could tell you that people make very little money and the cost of living is very low in the Philippines. Um, so essentially, critters, you know. Uh, as we know, any NFTs or you know crypto or whatever, often it, revol- it revolves around these tokens, and tokens have a market value. So if you go to Critters NFT uh, or Critters.xyz, it's called – it's billing itself as the most active and entertaining metaverse ever. Um, essentially, you are – buying and owning your NFTs are like plots of land 22,500 genesis plots to claim each plot of land is a permanent membership into the critters metaverse plots are infinitely customizable 1 to 1 NFTs that you fully own you can turn plots into an attraction a mini game or an operation to earn a dollar sign block so that's the, that's the token so it's anyway. It's that's the deal. So there's this. You use the token to buy the uh, the plots. You earn the tokens by, I guess, m- mining material within the within this like mini game. So again, it's a little convoluted. Point being is that the price of this token started to plummet. Because Mojang came out and said, "Yeah, we're not going to uh, support this. We do not uh, feel as though um, NFT integration into Minecraft is something that we would like to allow." So the value of this token, which already took a pretty big hit, uh, was cut in half. Um, also, by the way, another thing that cut the price of the token is that that you know this guy was paying these 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 kids in the Philippines with this token, and again by his very own justification presumably you know to help help with expenses and to like feed their families and stuff and this guy goes on to really oh gosh he's such a martyr and such a virtuous fellow and so what are they going to do they're going to sell it and that's the thing that's what happens when you have like any kind of uh, project whether it's like a you know a crypto project of some kind if people who own a bunch of the tokens sell it that's called a rug pull, and then all of a sudden the you know the the value goes down. The value goes down significantly. And again, there would be plenty of other people with these tokens. But if enough, if this guy's hiring enough of these kids and they all sell them every time, then that's going to affect the uh, the price. So now he's looking for other ways of going about this, um, based around the same model, the same idea of crowdsourcing. Uh, he says um, using another kind of blockchain gaming, you know. Model, potentially, what if we uh, figured out how to take advantage of this cheap labor in developing countries and actually use people in the Philippines, uh, for example, as NPCs, um, real life NPCs in your game. So you would know that if someone was just dicking around in the background, you know, doing some task, some rote, whatever set set of of, uh, actions, that's actually some person. Remember, Ben, the, the paying the yard gnomes and the weird historical
1: flexes on Ridiculous History? Yes, garden hermits, they were called. Yeah. That's it.
2: Yeah. You would pay somebody uh, to hang out in your yard for your own amusement. And this is essentially just like a digital version of that. Uh, he says they would, quote, just populate the world, maybe, or do a random job, or just walk back and forth, fishing, telling stories, a shopkeeper, anything is really possible. This is some Black Mirror shit, again. Like, when we started doing this with, like, prisoners or something, I mean, it's just bizarre. The idea, this is like some squid game type stuff. Like, what if we just, like, take people that are less fortunate and, for a pittance, you know, let them dance around for our
1: for our uh, amusement. Question, Noel, is Makai Kosar the same person as Big Chief? Don't think so. Okay. No. Okay. Makai
2: Kosar is the consul- is the consultant that was talked to in this situation. Right. Um, right. And, that's right. And, yeah, I'm sorry. Thank you. They are different people. The story started with Big Chief and his, you know, kind of exploitation of folks in the Philippines. And then, yes, Makai Kosar, thank you, Ben, is is this other gentleman with very similar uh, similar designs um, on the Philippines or other developing countries that have access to to gaming. Mm. But maybe not like, you know, running water all the time or like food stability.
1: Yeah, he has a, Kosar is an accountant and a member of an outfit called Wolves Dao, Wolves D-A-O. And he, uh, he is, as you said, 10 toes down on this. Uh, and he also is, specifically looking at the Philippines, but this this brings up, I appreciate that you mentioned uh, the anthology series Black Mirror because this brings up the new realm of inequality. You know, imagine if you are able, if you're growing up in say 2030 and you're able to play your favorite online game, right? But the only way you can play it for free Is to essentially walk through and do tasks in the premium version of a premium iteration of this game that is enjoyed and owned by a much more privileged player. I I don't know, you know, it becomes a uh, reign in hell, serve in heaven sort of situation in an incredibly unfair way, but. If it is a way for people to have access, then a lot of people are going to say yes to it uh, with the ethical quandaries and deep, profound problems of it cast aside and bracketed away. Because we can already see Big Chief and Kosar very much rationalizing, somewhat similar, arguably, to the, um, the perspective of Thomas Friedman in The World is Flat. Uh, and that's that's a guy who is arguing in his book that ultimately the uh, global interconnectivity of communication and trade will be better for everyone uh is very 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 smart man, very persuasive writer uh just happens to be woefully incorrect
0: <laughs> Guys, <laughs> in my opinion. Why should you be able to drive a McLaren in a virtual world if you can't afford to drive one in this world, huh? Come on. Then it's not special anymore. You're, jo- you're joking, but
2: that's sort of what NFTs are, right? Right that's sort of the concept of them is like you don't get to have this thing if if you can't actually afford it you know you don't get to you know wave this sign of opulence around in the in the you know virtual world unless you actually paid for it. and we can damn well you know verify that on the blockchain um, it, it's a bastardization of what online life and 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 escapism actually is in a lot of ways why do we turn to video games it's because we can't actually be wizards and sword fighters and and you know race car drivers
1: but to that end why why do people turn to books you know why do people turn to uh oral traditions and stories that uh, theater through which one can encounter similar catharsis right this uh the I hate to say it. I don't want to sound too cynical, but it feels like a natural iteration of an existing trend, to to be quite honest. The idea Absolutely. of accelerating a hierarchy and, uh, and inequality. Uh, a scary truth of the world, and I really wish this didn't feel so true, scary truth of the world seems to be that human beings... Defining happiness in relative external terms, uh, don't find it satisfactory to be internally satisfied, to be happy with one's own life. Uh, it is more important to know that there are people who are less than, and that is terrifying. And it's one of the things that holds humanity back. So I like with with this story. With Kosar and um, Big Chief, I don't want to get that wrong, Big Chief, uh, the, the issue seems that it's, it's the same story in, in another reboot, you know, uh, and I'm sure there are. Yeah, but when are, you read yeah, a book, guess, Ben, you yeah. get
0: to play every character that you're reading. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, sure. you kind of, in a way, get to play every character. And you have to I'm be just able to about
1: afford a book or a library card. Which I think is why people who are against knowledge are so mad that libraries still exist in the United States. You can go to one today. It's sadly not going to be crowded. <laughs> but, but, but I interrupted your point, Matt.
0: Uh, well, yeah, I'm just thinking about how video games do present this very specific experience. And they do seem to be the thing that's sticking around, like as an industry, the thing, the entertainment industry that continues to make money uh, pretty reliably even as like big budget films are only functioning as we've talked about on previous episodes because they're becoming global right but video games have been largely global for a long time um, I just I think there's a I think when we're thinking about it as a black mirror as a future thing as something that's coming it does really feel like it's going to have to Become uh, this separated out because not everybody was going to be able to afford the levels with all the game the the microtransactions that exist everywhere in every game all the time now or at least it's increasingly so that way. Um, there's just going to be these tiers of experience. By the way, um, I, I completely agree, and I
2: think you know, to your point, Ben, this is you know an escalation of something that we're already seeing. And with with things like NFTs and with things like cryptocurrency and all of that stuff, and it's probably gonna get worse before it gets better. But um, just really quickly, this is separate topic. But uh, did you guys see uh, the the insane Grand Theft Auto leaks that took place in terms of just like other like you know metaverses kind of you know that that's the game that's yeah. like its online version has stayed pretty relevant up until recently. I mean, it appears to be like unprecedented in terms of you know the level of uh, invasion that they experienced.
0: What happened?
2: Oh, just like hundreds of videos of, 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 de- of underdeveloped, you know, um, in-game footage uh, with like debug code on the screen and just like, you know, p- major plot spoilers, you know, with like really under, um, incomplete, you know, gameplay footage. And it's just an absolute catastrophe. Uh, it's just fascinating the way that, you know, one One hacker, without even hacking, apparently it was accessed more just through like phishing kind of expeditions, using like WhatsApp uh, to message employees rather than some sort of, you know, actual hack. Anyway. I just wanted to ask if you guys had heard about it. It's, it's interesting stuff, um, especially for a company like that where they have such a reputation of, like, a really, really bad crunch time um, treatment of their employees, uh, and they have been trying to kind of get away from that image, and um, this apparently, the game's taken so long to come out because they say they're trying to avoid crunch time, and now all this does is make the, <laughs> you know, kind of spoil everything the employees have been working their butts off on. So I just don't see what the point is, like, why with, with these... Uh, Hackers are after, but irrelevant, un- unconnected to the story. I think that we've, we've, uh, we've bandied this one about long enough. Um, let's take a little break, and then we'll be back with a third
1: piece of strange news. job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
0: With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand. Tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name
2: the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop. Podcast producer?
1: Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that.
0: With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that
1: in your own backyard, right? Snag job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424. to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com,
2: where America goes
1: to hire. From BBC Radio
2: 4,
3: Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
2: is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is
3: Uncanny USA.
0: He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. (laughs) Terminix it.
1: Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today.
0: That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Welcome
1: back, fellow conspiracy realist. Yes, we have one more piece of strange news. Now, this is one that you may have heard of if you are... <laughs> In the game, in any number of games. But this story has the distinction of being one that uh, caused some of my sources to proactively reach out to me, saying that heads will roll. We've talked about propaganda in the past. Uh, It is a very real thing. It is quite effective. Uh, And it's one of those things that is so audience-specific at times that it's almost like... um, it's almost like regional food, you know, like if you grew up in an environment where there was no such thing as cheese, you would think cheese is gross. And, uh, you know, you'd have a point. It's, it's a weird process. It's a weird thing. It's just so tasty if you're familiar with it. And likewise with any other number of uh, regional food stuff. So propaganda by that comparison can seem completely believable, rational. And fact supported, if you are the intended audience, right? If we can just say, "Oh, you're already you're already sorted down with this." Well, let me let me get you a little more down. Pretty soon, you're ten toes down, uh, and that's how the manipulation works. Uh, a lot of times in the West, this is portrayed as something that is beneath the good guys, right? It's beneath the Allied forces, a.k.a. the West and Five Eyes and all that slow jazz. But not really, totally not really, right? Uh, A lot of the same um, tactics that have been used by the Russian government or by the Chinese government, information control, uh, and used by cults on lower levels, Uncle Sam has done the same things. And recently, there was a Washington Post article by Ellen Nakashima that I want us to pay uh, some particular attention to today. The Pentagon has opened up what it is calling a sweeping review of clandestine PSYOPs, psychological operations. And this is due to a request from multiple other federal agencies, as well as the White House. Uh, And these agencies are complaining about the U.S. military's influence operations. I like that phrase, influence operations, uh, using Facebook and Twitter in particular. Now, we know that Twitter is riddled with bots. We know that Facebook turns a blind eye to active disinformation campaigns and propaganda. In both cases, it's because they're, you know, they're motivated by profit. They're not really, (laughs) you know, they're not really chasing some larger philosophical idea past Q3 or Q4. So the the Pentagon said, all right, we we need to get a hold of our online fake accounts, and we need to clean the skeletons from the closet of our clandestine information warfare. That's right. The Pentagon has been doing PSYOPs for, for quite a long time. Uh, last month, two, uh, two internet research outfits, Grafica and the Stanford Internet Observatory. You like that? Observatory for the internet? I think it's clever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they, uh, they disclosed that there were more than 150 bogus personas and media sites that were active. Now, these researchers did not—this is important—they did not explicitly attribute these fake accounts to the U.S. military, but— uh, but it's pretty obvious, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's pretty obvious, right? It's like if you saw Frankenstein's monster loitering around the body of Victor Frankenstein and had blood on one of his, you know, reanimated hands, and he was standing next to some, you know, bloody graffiti that said, uh, the creator has been uncreated. You know what I mean? You don't have proof yet, but you like nah, him for man. it. Nah. <laughs> right? And it's walked up on this.
2: <laughs> it's just like, it's like the, the, the sketch on, I think you should leave where he's like, wearing the hot, the hot dog, dog costume. Yeah. And yeah. And he's like, we got to find out who did this. Because
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> it's a uh, hot dog mobile that's crashed into this? He just, everyone's like terrified. And he comes sauntering out. We have to find out who did this.
1: The master stroke. Costume. There is, uh, one of the guys who unfortunately is wearing a, uh, a suit that has hot dog colors, like a suit and tie. That's one of, that's one of the writers and I Think You Should Leave now. They do great work. Uh, do check out that show if you have time. And if you work for CENTCOM, U.S. Central Command, you may well not have time because people are about to start going through your stuff. Uh, these, This thing appears to have been triggered by an investigation running for... Several years or diving into propagandistic bot and fake accounts and astroturf, whatever you want to call it, uh, for quite a while. And people went on record responding to this. Well, people in the US government, the spokespeople for Facebook and Twitter, uh, their lips are sealed. Mum's the word. Uh, The Air Force Brigadier General Patrick Ryder, who was the current Pentagon press secretary, said that these again information operations quote support our national security priorities, and that they're totally going to enforce these safeguards it's not that he caught us we we were totally we were totally going to do this um, and I think this opens up a question you know we mentioned it on. Gosh, I was talking with uh, Jordan Harbinger. We're talking with the, the good folks at Macro Dosing. Uh, the way that the propaganda game has changed in the United States. If you're listening and you are in the U.S., then yeah, of course, obviously you're being targeted for propaganda, right? Every time a YouTube ad plays with a political message, that's propaganda toward you. Every time, you know what? Every time uh, an advertisement for a fast food franchise comes on. That's arguably propaganda. But for a long time, the idea was that the United States was above using state-level militaristic propaganda on its own people domestically. That would turn out not to be the case. Also, just for the record, COINTELPRO never ended. Just going to put that out there. Just have fun with that one. If you are listening, it sounds,
0: to- <laughs> it, 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 yeah, no, it's perfect, man. It sounds familiar to the Russia spending three hundred million dollars thing, right? Well, on uh, influencing elections and politics in other countries, mm-hmm. it feels like like um, like a donut hole version of that Kruller or whatever. <laughs> I, I, what am I saying? I don't know.
1: No, you you nailed it, and I I love a good pastry reference, man. Thank you, <laughs> and this. So there are things like um, our international listeners, you're doubtlessly familiar with this. Uh, There are things like the voice of America, right? Which is stationed abroad and is pro-US, right? Enforces geopolitical or tries to popularize geopolitical goals of the US and its owner corporations. Uh, There are places like Radio Free Europe, which does the same thing. And- just to give us a sense of the kind of things they're saying, right? It's not as simple as um, North Korean propaganda. Like DPRK propaganda, if you go to the news site, is pretty Orwellian. It's pretty easy to see what the spin is. And you also know the provenance, right? You know the source. But for example, and this again is due to the great work by the journalists at the Washington Post, you'll see examples of a fake account, right, purporting to be something it is not, posting tweets saying stuff like, uh, relatives of Afghan refugees who have died are reporting that their bodies are returning from Iran with their organs stolen. And this, this tweet links to an article, right? Especially if you're fake, you always want to say, oh, here, right? Here's my research. The, uh, this tweet goes to an article that is based on a website that is low key, totally an Uncle Sam site. And then we get to the business of contractors. Just like you were saying, Matt, it's brilliant, right? China does it, Russia does it, the, uh, the 50 cent army. Right. Or, or a bunch of like concerned Russian hackers. Guys, we can't control them. Their opinions are, are their own. They just happen to be our opinions because we are super correct. <laughs> and so that's, that's what's happening. Uh, US outfits aren't commenting on who created these accounts. Is it a direct, like, is it someone in a skiff out in CENTCOM or is it a contractor? It was just working on their uh, free time, right? So this uh, this is dangerous territory and it's muddy water. And I just felt like as important as it was for us to point out the proof that Russia is messing under the hood of dozens and dozens of governments, it's also key to note that the United States is doing the same. Now, knowing all that, knowing that the Pentagon has said, we're going to look into this, they're essentially saying we're going to conduct our search of ourselves, ourselves, I have to ask you guys, you, Matt, you, Noel, you, Doc, everybody listening, is this going to be a good faith search?
0: Oh, yeah, hands down. It's going to go by smooth. Uh, We're going to get a special, what is the thing that's happening right now? Oh, a special, uh, a special master? A special master. And uh, we'll work name. it out. <laughs>
1: that feels like that feels like a sequel to Beastmaster, doesn't it? Beastmaster <laughs> yeah. 2, Special Master.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I I don't know. It doesn't feel good. I think we should have the Russian counterparts investigate this thing on our side, and then we'll investigate the Russian side, and Ooh. we'll just both do a... It'll be a way to bring each other together. We'll investigate each oh. other simultaneously.
1: Oh, a double date. I love that. Mutual yeah. investigation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I've been on a couple of those. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: oh, we're Glad you're too. on the same wavelength.
0: I was worried that. <laughs> okay,
1: all right. No, 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 you're <laughs> mind readers. So, um, again, there's something else we mentioned in a previous strange news segment, which is the. Where was it an episode? I can't remember. There was a. Uh, there's this specific nomenclature used when someone in the intelligence or military or otherwise governmental apparatus has the green light to speak, but not to go on record. It's like we pointed this language out. A defense official close to the matter or a source close to the Pentagon or who could not be named but definitely knows what they're talking about, that kind of stuff, that happens in this article. That happens in this research. There's been a lot of fallout from this already, uh, one senior defense official, I want to quote, raises a point that uh, I think we should, we should all chew over just a little bit. And the quote is this. Our adversaries are absolutely operating in the information domain. There are some who think we shouldn't do anything clandestine in that space. Ceding an entire domain to an adversary would be unwise. But we need stronger policy Guardrails. So he's saying everybody
0: else is doing it. Why can't we? Yeah. What's going to happen if and we don't? And it's dangerous. Do it, right? It's dangerous if we don't. And also, we need more money. <laughs> and also,
1: <laughs> we should turn that into a sound view <laughs> at some point. And also, we need more money. Uh, the NSC, National Security Council, part of the White House, they're not commenting on it. But also, here's what they're looking for in this sweeping inventory. They want to know what types of operations have been carried out, because that's not official knowledge, right? It'll ruin the bit. Uh, They also want to know who is being targeted. That's where it gets spooky. They also want to know what tools are being used and why those tools were chosen. And then, of course, how effective they've been. The idea is that one would have to justify I don't even know if they're technically illegal now. Uh, They're certainly unethical. But the idea is like these are shenanigans. These are shenanigans that the U.S. publicly claimed it was above committing, right, for years. And that's not the case.
2: You know, Ben, you and I talked about this, you know, uh, in the the civilian world (laughs) the other night. If you're playing dirty, if your opponents are playing dirty or your, your adversaries are playing dirty, i.e., you know, doing these kinds of activities, these kinds of actions to influence policy and elections and any number of things, isn't it kind of aren't you sort of uh, required to get down there in the mud with them, uh, even if you say you're not openly? I mean, there's really no way to fight fire with anything but fire. I guess you could fight it with water. Actually, that's a stupid analogy. Um, but my point is, uh, you know, if, if you've got people that are using these tactics against you and you're, quote, unquote, above using it against them, even if your end goals are virtuous. Again, I don't necessarily even believe that's the case. Don't you kind of have to do that? Don't you kind of have
1: to? Right. The best way to catch a monster is to learn its habits, and it's some threshold that gets very close to becoming something like the monster you're trying to catch or you're trying to combat. Yeah, And you know, to play real politic for a second, I'm at odds here. Manipulating people without their knowledge or consent is it's a dirty, dirty game. It's a huge game, but is it a necessary game? Does the U.S apparatus have to be in this space? You know, um, check out our episodes on military propaganda in sports games and in your favorite blockbuster films for more. For now, we're going to call it a day. We'll be back tomorrow with a classic episode, I think, Uh, but stay tuned because there are several surprises On the way. Uh, In the meantime, we can't wait to hear your thoughts, especially if you are close with these stories. Do you live in the Philippines? Are you active in in the NFT space? Uh, Do you have experience with unethical autopsy or funeral services? Uh, If so, uh, do check out our episode on the funeral industry, right? And if you happen to be, uh, if you happen to be involved in PSYOPs, knowingly, if you're in the driver's seat uh, at some point and you feel comfortable sharing your story, we will, of course, do our best to keep you anonymous. Everybody in the Puzzle Palace just laughed at that. But here's the takeaway. We try to be easy to find online. See, you get how like how it's weird to say that right after the uh, right after the NSA stuff. Whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Easy enough indeed. You can find us on Twitter and uh, YouTube
0: and Facebook under the handle of Conspiracy Stuff on Instagram or Conspiracy Stuff Show. Guess what? Our book and audiobook are going to be available really, really soon. So if you haven't pre ordered yet, go ahead and do that. Uh, but if you need to wait a little bit longer, we understand, you know, go get it at a bookstore when you're ready or get it on wherever you get your favorite audiobooks the day it comes out, but getting it early would help the show. So if you, if you have a moment and you got the inclination and ability, we'd love it. If you pre-ordered, we actually just got the real copies of it in the mail and they look awesome. It's a real book. It happened. I haven't seen mine yet. Mine are still at my house, but I'm going to get them.
1: (laughs) It, It happened. It happened. It was a surprise to us and we hope it is enjoyable surprise for you too. When you get a copy, um, personally like physical copies of books. Uh, there's something about that moment where your thumb gets closer to your pointer finger toward the end. And You're like, oh, how's it going to, what's going to happen? Uh, but the audiobook, the the whole thing, we worked really hard on it and uh, we can't wait. We can't wait for you to see it because it, it's, uh, you're part of the show too. So in a way you've kind of already worked on the book with us, to be honest. So we'd like you to see the results while you're waiting for that, don't feel like uh, don't feel like you have to just sit around and do nothing but wait. You can tell us what's on your mind directly with your mouth through the wonders of uh, <laughs> through the wonders of the wire. Uh, please don't commit wire fraud. But please do give us a call. We are Say It With Us, one eight three three S 833 Riddle me this. What happens
0: if someone calls the number? Well, we ask that you give a nickname, an AKA of sorts, as Jack would say, and uh, leave a message. You got three minutes. Let us know if we can use your voice and message on one of our Listener Mail episodes. But if you've got more to say than can fit into three minutes, You'd be surprised how fast that goes by. Uh, Why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio.